Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! fans, welcome to the Parasol Podcast. On a Tuesday, we're sticking another one in you early in the week. We got Keely York sitting beside me. Follow on Twitter at Keely is my name. Does a great job reporting on the Trojans for us over at uscfootball.com. Keely, how you doing? Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. Doing well uh, here as well. We're trying to do these shows a little early because, of course, it's Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You're a big Thanksgiving fan, right? Uh, not as much as you are. I don't know if that was sarcasm, but you are the Thanksgiving guy. I do love my, me some Thanksgiving. Um, deep fry the turkey, all that fun stuff. But it's a it, you know, so it's going to be like a weird week. Plus, I don't know if you've noticed, Keely, but the uh, team's not really all that good right now. It is my job to notice that they're yes. not doing. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm glad you paid attention. My dad will call me sometimes, like, "Hey, did you see uh, USC lost last night?" Like, "Yes, Dad, I, I saw that." <laughs> USC lost. Like, D- does he not know what I, I, he do? knows? But he just like uh, th- uh, this guy on TV and or, uh, he's in Boston. He's like this guy on WEEI radio said <laughs> it was going to be Bill Belichick as the head coach. But like, I don't think that's true. You know, like <laughs> he just calls me like this weird stuff. Nice, um, but whatever. But yeah, so we're trying to get everything done early in the week and then let you guys enjoy uh, your holidays. Maybe you're listening to this while you're uh, like your family's in the other room driving you crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe something like that. Uh, but we do appreciate you listening and wanted to ha- thank everyone in for coming in in this Thanksgiving week. I'm very thankful for my staff here. They're great. All of the listeners. And I hope you guys have something to be thankful for as well. Uh, I'm sure you do. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we'll thank you for sending them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141's number. We got a voicemail for you today. We got some emails, bunch of emails. Yeah. Not happy emails, no. mostly. Would you say more, less than happy emails? I mean, people are just, they're, it's it's rough to be a USC fan right now. Understandably so. Yeah. It's not easy, uh, but we appreciate you uh, taking the time to write us or call in and all of that. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, the Harvey Hyde show we did earlier in the week. And uh, we'll do this one with Keely. If you have uh, the Apple Podcasting app on any of your devices, Please follow the show, Peristyle Podcast. That's great. Helps you can whenever you put a new episode up, you get an alert on your phone. I'm a new iPhone person now. It's like, oh, Family Feud came up. I get to see like the new look at that episode. So it's kind of cool. But if you leave us a rating, it's like that one extra step. And you leave us a five star rating. It really helps us to grow the show, and uh, more people get to see it, and it'll pop up in more people's feeds. And what we've been doing uh, with our partner Trader Joe's is giving away a fifty dollar gift card. To the best review of the week. So this is our last week as of right now doing it. Maybe uh, if Trader Joe sends us some more, we will. But um, the last gift card we got, so we're going to send it out to uh, one of a couple reviews we got. Yeah, we had a, a review from Alex from Chicago, and I thought it was funny. He gave us five stars and said, need help from Dr. Ryan. Mm. Ryan, I'm not sure when you got your doctorate. But... I have a master's, not a doctorate, but you know, okay. well, I thought about it just to be called that. Like I want someone to say Dr. Abraham. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Goodness. Uh, dear Dr. Ryan, like many other USC fans, I am praying for David Randon to become the next USC football coach. Though my anxiety is through the roof, feeling that just 
because the fans want David Randa. We're not going to get him. What is the solution for my anxiety? What do I do? I've tried yoga, hypnosis, and other stuff I can't mention. Thanks for all you do for the USC fans. Alex from Chicago. Hey, Alex, we need to know what that other stuff is. I mean, uh, no, off air. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I feel like he's a USC fan with some PTSD maybe where it's just like, obviously, we've come to the conclusion we like this guy. So we're, of course, not going to get him. Um, I think the good thing is, Alex, there's a lot of, I think they're going to hire someone that are, they're going to hire a coach that's on other people's boards, which that's what USC hasn't done in the past. They The bar is that low. Yeah. When Sark was hired, like the other people, like Washington wanted to fire him. That wasn't like they were, they were not, they got Chris Peterson out of the deal. So yes, they were very happy. You're going to get someone that the fan base isn't going to be happy that he's leaving, you know? So if it's. If it's Dave Aranda Baylor, they're not going to be all happy at, you know, in Waco. Uh, Ames, Iowa is not going to be super happy if you get Matt Campbell coming in from Iowa State. So I feel like you're going to, maybe you don't get the exact present you want, but you're going to get a pretty cool present. It's just, that's my gut feeling. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be wrong, but I, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it too much right now. Don't, don't have that much anxiety. Yeah, I think. Just I the problem is firing the coach in, in week three. There's a lot of time to think about the decision that will be made, you know? Oh yeah. The elation of oh Helton is gone that USC fans had didn't last the whole season. Obviously that doesn't happen when the team is playing as poorly as it is, but it's it's I think this is from what we've seen an administration that you can trust, at least so far. Right. I mean, but if they end up bringing in, you know, Jeff Fisher, then all bets are off. Then oh, I'm yeah. out. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I was no. wrong about this administration. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But if they did, woo. Yeah. I ca- I'll just say Fire. I cannot see that happening. No, I could not either. But that's what the fans are kind of bracing for. They're bracing for Jeff Fisher. Okay. Well, he went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, like that's that's the kind of stuff they're bracing for because that's what USC's given them in the past. You know. Yeah, and it's very understandable for them to think if that if you've been fed slop for you know days after days and years after years, you're not expecting cake. And you're in the same cafeteria. You're like, I'm probably gonna get slop. You know, like, yeah. no, no, we get new, under new management, we're gonna not give you slop. But they're ready for slop. It's been a long time since they've they've been waiting on this meal. It's like Thanksgiving. You're like wait on this meal all year. <laughs> they're waiting on this meal of a new head coach. And they're not hearing much. They're not, they didn't. They didn't get a, a menu ahead of time. They're no, not getting selection. No There's no like, uh, well, you could choose between these three entrees. You're not getting any of that. Nope. They're just like, just wait, and then we'll tell you who it's going to be. Yeah, and you better trust us. So that's <laughs> that's the administration. You it's know. a lot to ask of USC fans. It is a who lot to ask. Yeah, through a lot. I'll we got say. some good food analogies right out of the gate. That Boom. Was, that was well done. <laughs> Starting the Thanksgiving week pod on a good <laughs> note, Ryan. Well done. All right. What else have we got? We have one more review, and it has a lot of questions that I think you're prepared for, Ryan. Oh, yes. Um, it's from Jeff Wu, USC 1994, who said, a review with questions, five stars. Yeah, I know Drake London is done for the year, but is he named All-Conference? Is he named Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year? Is he an All-American? Does he win the Bolitnikoff? Will he be picked in the first round, and will he become an All-Pro? So wow. rattling off the questions there, Okay, Jeff. so so many of those. Uh, if I forget one or two, then you have to remind me. Will but do. I'm going to... So, First round, I think he's a first round pick. We'll go there. Okay. I think he has the potential to be an all pro. That's something that, you know, you could do at any point in your career. Uh, Bolitnikov finalist, he is not going to be. They just named the three finalists. So Jordan Addison from Pitt, who's got like 48 touchdowns, uh, David Bell from Purdue, and uh, Jameson uh, Williams from Alabama. Those are 
the three finalists right now. But if you look at London's numbers, he had eight games, 88 receptions for 1,084 yards and seven touchdowns. He's still 13th in the country in receiving yards, but he's number three in receiving yards per game. Uh, he's still third in overall receptions, which is crazy. So the number of rece- the receptions he had is still three in the country and number two in receptions per game. And he's 18th in receiving touchdowns. If he would have got more touchdowns in that, like you could have, you know, if you had 1,100 yards almost and like 11 touchdowns, maybe he would have been a finalist. Um, yeah. Maybe a few more yards to go. The receptions are still there. The receptions are holding up. Uh, the receiving yards, you know, not that that's going to be harder to do, even though he did eclipse the thousand yard mark. So he's not going to win the Bolitnikoff. He could be an all American because there's all kinds of all American and USC has like some like whatever, like some weird dot com all, all American on one of their, you know, the standards uh, for getting on the all American wall have like dropped a little bit there. Yeah, because there's different things like we publications. Could, we yes. could do the Parastyle podcast all American team and we could put them on there and. Uh, potentially get him up there. Now, consensus, all America, all kind of stuff, but he could make a list. Um, so there's that potential there. As far as um, I think he can be all Pac-12. As far as like Pac-12 player of the offensive player of the year, I mean, there's not like a clear candidate. There's not like who's the best quarterback in the conference. You know, like we saw if you played against USC, that doesn't count. Like that's don't look at DTR as like the player of the year because he had a great game against USC because everyone does. Um, but even like you know Cam Rising has been great, but he didn't start the beginning. Uh, he didn't start the beginning of the year. Um, you know Anthony Brown has not been very good. Jaden Daniels has fallen off a cliff. USC's used two quarterbacks. There's not like a clear quarterback. Um, if he was like valuable, like Chase Garbers or Tanner McKee for the Bay Area schools, like those those teams are are awful without them. So, but you know, Tavion Thomas, the running back from uh, Utah, who's a transfer from Cincinnati, he's great. B.J. Baylor, USC is familiar with all these guys. So there's some running backs that could be in contention. Um, but I feel like he could have some sort of outside shot at being the offensive hmm. player of the year because there's not like. If you had like the quarterback, like okay, he's gonna get it. Now it's gonna be like a running back, and you know, there's a lot of guys that were the you know, um, you know, Charbonnet from UCLA. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think there's still a shot uh, at doing this. The problem is like the recency bias. Yes, it's just been so long since he's actually played that I don't know if that can like really push him over the edge in that sense. Yeah, I mean, we so we were asked this on the podcast of champions and David and I was just sort of like, we said like Tavion Thomas, BJ Baylor, like there are some names that would like come up, but like, you know, Oregon had, you know, a couple running backs, you know, Travis Dye, like, you know, there's injuries there. There just hasn't been like, you know, a runaway candidate, which is what you would kind of need. So you could still look at Drake London and go, and look how bad USC has been since he's was out. And that might get some some people. So, like, I think you could convince guys like John Wilner to, like, go with him, someone like that, because they're like, he was the best player in, on offense by far. Uh, he just only got seven and a half games in. What was there, another accolade from the review? Sorry. We've been know. talking about it for so long. I forgot what you said. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, it, it was like, so I tried to go through all the accolades. All-conference, Pac-12, Offensive Player of the Year, All-American, Bolitnikoff. First round all pro. Yeah. So I think we ought to all those like he can be all conference for sure, but potentially the um you know, he'll get one all conference team, but can he be the player of the year? 
that's uh, that'll be the question. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, thanks for all those, and thanks to uh, Trader Joe's for providing all those gift cards and being a sponsor. We only have, as we're recording this, like a few days left before uh, Thanksgiving, which is, you know, it's absolutely crazy. Trader Joe's will be closed on Thanksgiving, so if you're going to do your last minute stuff. You do it on Wednesday. You don't do it on Thursday because they will not uh, be open. If you have like a frozen turkey, thaw that thing. Yeah, if you're listening right thaw now, that if thing. it was frozen, you <laughs> need to thaw it if you're listening right now. Uh, but they also have a great tur- turkey roasting guide up on TraderJoe's.com. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a deep fryer. I've just been doing it. That's been That's my religion. It's been my religion lately. <laughs> it's um, been your religion? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, just, I just love deep frying stuff. Um, you gotta get the peanut oil if you do that. But if you're gonna roast the turkey, great roasting guide. But make sure, uh, if you can brine it, brine it. I love the the brining stuff. Um, but take that thing out of the the, the freezer if you have that. That so we don't want to. And if you're gonna deep fry the turkey, definitely do not drop a frozen turkey into the fryer. You know? I saw a demonstration. Yes, like, online firemen uh, do that. Yeah, stuff. and they did it, and it like totally blew up. It torches. Yeah, it's like yes, you could hurt yourself deep frying a turkey. If you're a moron, you know, like that's basically, I mean, I would say that. Like, if I'm you sure. don't know what you do. So if you're if like frozen, okay, don't put fr- a frozen bird into 400 degree oil, you know, don't yes. have the oil be over. There's a red marker on the thing. There's a, you know, on the thermometer, 400 degrees. If you're over that, like it's red, like boop, boop, boop. This is bad. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> and you got to drop bad. it in slowly. So, you know, you got to have a little bit of upper body strength because, like, it's it, usually the fryers can hold up to about a 15 pound bird. Don't put a 20 pound bird in a 15 pound fryer, you know, but you have to hold it on this little hook. It's like it's a hook and it goes down. And I'm doing a visualization, but you guys can't see that at home. But I'm <laughs> visual Keely, bit, as we call it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yes. Plug. So you're <laughs> dropping it slowly. It's like, it takes about a minute. So you're holding like a 15 pound thing okay. from a hook. And you have to like slowly lower it. And as soon as it starts hitting the oil, obviously it's like bubble, bubble, bubble. Now, if I just drop it in, <laughs> oil's going to splash up all over the place. So it's really just like a slow, slow sling. The more the turkey, as soon as a little bit more turkey touches the oil, it's cold, touching the hot, and it bubbles. It makes the temperature go down on the oil too. So you have to like play with it to get it back up to like your 350 range. But it's just like a slow, 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 slow thing. And there's no, I've never had any problems like that. Now, sometimes I do it in flip-flops, which is probably a bad idea. You should have like, you know, cover-toed shoes. Because uh, <laughs> we're in California. It's, it's like 80 sure. degrees. Like, oh, I'm in flip-flops. Sure. Uh, but I do have some of those like asbestos glove kind of things. And that helps a little. But yeah, uh, just be, you know, it's hot oil that can, you know, Putting ice cubes in hot oil is bad. Like, don't put a frozen turkey in there. That's bad. But besides that, you know, it's fine. This has been your turkey frying tips with Ryan Abraham. It tastes so good. Like, people have done, like, I've never tried it. Like, they try the turkey. I'm like, oh, man. Because part of the roasting issue is getting the the white meat to be juicy. Yeah. So, like, I like the butter balls um, where you they put pads of butter under the skin you can do that yourself. Is that why it's called a butter ball? Uh-huh. Oh, they wow. put the pad. Yeah. The so there's know. like if you look at it, there's like pads of butter. But you can do that yourself. Um, you know, you can brine it uh, to help uh, you know keep some of the juice in there. But if you're roasting it, definitely basting and I like a foil thing. Some people use bags. Bags seem to work really well, but you always have these tricks to keep the white meat juicy. But you don't have to worry about that at all when you're deep fried. It is freaking juicy. It's all good. I'm more of a dark are you dark or white? Um, I, either? either. I don't really have cool. a preference. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know. Serial killers have answers like that. Usually. Well, I, <laughs> I'm just goodness me. I'm just I kidding. guess white meat? 
Okay, yeah. That, well, I like a drumstick. What's that? That's dark meat. See? I like both. I'm okay, sorry. Th- you could like both. I mean, I like <laughs> the white meat, and uh, I got a good way to like carve. I've been really good at carve the turkey. I got the um, electric knife. You cut it through, and like you get a big piece of breast, and you kind of cut it across. But you can make great sandwiches out of that. But it tastes really juicy. But the the dark meat, man, I love that. Um, so, so you like both? I'm I'm more of a dark meat guy. But you do like but both. But I do like both, yeah. So but you I have two a are a psychopath. If I had a, no, if I had a preference, it's dark meat. But I do eat both. The sandwiches, I'll put dark meat on there. But the best sandwiches are when you get like the great slices of the breast. And then you make a sandwich out of it. And put, oh, yeah. Lettuce, tomato, cheese. I, mean, oh, I love all that stuff. And I love stuffing. I love mashed potatoes. This is your holiday. Corn. In my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Corn. My, my college girlfriend uh, went to... Uh, El Paso. She was from El Paso, and I went for Thanksgiving with her to her family and in like, Texas. In Texas, wow. Uh, and uh, she, her family, like they asked what I wanted. I'm like, well, I do like corn, like because I mix the corn up with the potatoes. So they don't normally have corn, but they made corn just for me. And then wow. I, her mom would keep telling me we we broke up or whatever. But her mom, we were friends, and her mom would keep telling me like, we still have corn, right? At Thanksgiving, I'm like, well, that's great, thank you. <laughs> I love this. Is just took such a weird. It is a weird turn, turn. But, but I like when I and I, sorry. One more thing, <laughs> people don't care. When I so when I moved, I came here from Massachusetts you to did. to L.A. and I had never even been to California when I came to USC. Like oh, I'd wow. never been west of the Mississippi. Did you take a visit? Uh, <laughs> I did an orientation. So like I that doesn't count. You already committed to the university. I'm right. saying this like you're a prospect. Yeah, yeah. No, I I committed sight unseen. Um, did the internet exist back then? Did you like Google pictures? Uh, no, Not like the internet was coming around, but it wasn't did really. You look in books. <laughs> yes, there was like you know the yeah. No, we had they were they sent us stuff information, okay. right, like right, right, pamphlets Pressures. or whatever. Yes, sure. But like, I was homesick, and that's part of the reason. Like, I started the website, and we, we've done like speaking things at at uh, different classrooms and stuff at USC. Mm-hmm. Like, I created a newsletter that I printed out and like snail mailed back to people back home because I was really homesick and i wanted to get mail but like thanksgiving was like that became my thing i had never like made a turkey before but there was all these people that were from the east coast that i was friends with it it was like an early friendsgiving right like we just had people come together so it was like an orphan thanksgiving what we would call it like there's no one you know there's my friend keely who's from orange county drives home to thanksgiving like well i can't do that you know and yeah um, so we would get people in my apartment or whatever, like to come over and then I would make Turkey and Thanksgiving dinner. And it sort of became my thing. Cause it was like, Oh, I'm here sort of by myself. I'm going to make Thanksgiving. So that in college at USC is when Thanksgiving became important to me. And then years later when we were doing tailgates for uscfootball.com, uh, our buddy Dano, who would do the grilling stuff, it was a Thanksgiving game, and he introduced me to the deep fried turkey thing, and that was probably 15 years ago. Wow. And I was like, that was like Reggie Bush era kind of stuff. So I've been doing it ever since. I think I have the same fryer from then. Wow. Which I probably should get a new one, but this, this is, is like a big bucket that you heat up. Yeah. This has been a revelation. There's for a you. lot of stuff. You need a new fryer bucket, and you probably need closed shoes. Yeah, <laughs> close, close to shoes. shoes. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, sorry about that, Destroyer. You could people have I mean, s- skipped through. It's but. Thanksgiving week. The it's team, Thanksgiving week. USC just lost. I'm just trying to avoid talking about what happened. <laughs> it's, Do you know what happened this weekend? <sighs> were you there? Were you there? I was there. Can in I be? Person. Can I? Can I play your dad? Like Keely, uh, USC didn't do so well this weekend. Did you see what? That, I, like, that's it, your dad. The score was. My bad. dad knows what's happening. Oh, I he watches. He watches every episode. He listens to every podcast. He follow, I think he follows me on Twitter, right? Number or, one fan. Yeah. Nice. I know. That's Shouts good. Because of you. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, because he's a Georgia fan. But now he's like a pseudo USC because he like has to listen to me all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. He like knows what's happening with well, the Well, George is pretty good. Yeah. That's not too and bad. he knew about JT Daniels because that whole thing because I knew yeah. him at Monday. Oh, you like, you like kept him up to speed. I did. I did. I gave him the scouting report. Anyway, <laughs> we got him another tangent. Yes. This team, Ryan. Well, so uh, if the numbers 62 and 33 mean anything to you, it would be the final score. Uh, UCLA yeah. just butt whooping on USC. Uh, at the Coliseum, too. Was it that close? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's probably that's probably a, it was a better score than like the Utah game, like when USC scored like a late touchdown and sort of made it like closer than you know it was twenty nine points like against Stanford, I think, and then yeah. USC scored late or whatever yeah. to like make it closer. This was more indicative of like how the game went, um, just absolutely crazy. And the funniest thing, I mean, there's a lot of funny things in this game. So DTR, you know, he's been a pretty good quarterback. He throws two picks out of the gate. His first two passes. Yeah. And this has to be a record. I was talking to David about this. I don't know. His passer rating, so we have the stats thing, was minus 200. Like, basically, you get minus 100 for a pick. He threw two picks. Two passes, two picks, minus 200. Has anyone ever even had a minus 200 at some point in the game? Like, you would you would have to throw two picks in your first. He threw two more incompletions after that. His quarterback rating went skyrocketing and up. Like, went from minus 200 to, like, minus 100. Like, for, by incompletions. for incompletions, like two incompletions, his passer rating rose. I was like following it like a stock market. <laughs> and he finishes with his best quarterback rating of the year, like 250 something. Wow. So he went from minus 200 to plus 250. Like, I'm willing to say that's never freaking happened before. I'm going to ask some like stats people about that, but do it. That went from like the worst <laughs> to the best. Uh, obviously, they ran the ball really well, more in the second half. Um, USC ran the ball okay, but just making, you know, USC made mistakes. UCLA capitalized, and uh, it was just sort of the same same thing. Jackson Dark gets his first start. The fact I, that we don't, we're not even really talking about that. It's like it's, the offense looked the same. Everyone was just, you know, and there are people that are still nitpicking like, well, he's still this or he's still that. I'm like, Jackson Dart's good. Like, I think he's going to be fine. He's a true freshman. Yeah, but he and Keaton's always was a true freshman and threw for 500 yards against UCLA, you know? Like that was the offense was better then. He had better receivers then. And I think Slovis, Dart, it didn't it didn't matter. You could put, you know, Johnny Unitas back there. The offense is bad right now. And as much as fans wanted Dart to be able to, to be the savior, like he can still be a great quarterback. He might be better than Slovis. I think Slovis is probably better than him right now. But as far as this goes, like the offense is just systematically broken. That's the problem, not who the quarterback is. Yeah. And when you add on to this scheme that I just don't think really puts wide receivers in a great position. They don't really get schemed open. And then you have wide receivers not named Drake London running routes where they either can't get open or can't catch the ball once they do get the ball their way. You know, it's how like to me it's wild to see how inconsistent USC's wide receivers are. Like that's something where I'm not used to covering that because that was just you mentioned the UCLA game with Keenan Slovis. Four wide receivers with a hundred receiving yards yeah you know like that should be the clear difference between both games it's just you had nfl talent at wide receiver and now i don't know if that's the case you know and that's something that we kind of marked heading into the season is there was not a lot of chemistry or some wild plays like we kept asking who's going to step up outside of drake london and i think we have that answer now that he's not there anymore i don't think anyone really has i mean gary bryant had a career day but you know 
yeah, I think you expected more from him this season overall, but health has always been an issue. But just, I mean, what is there to say? This is a team that doesn't have a head coach. Dante Williams is trying as much as he can, but this is kind of what it is after you have Clay Helton at the at the head of the ship for that long. You know, this is like the team right now. Ryan, sorry, not just the it's circling the drain is what I'm like. It's literally a team that's circling the drain. That's not really a, a sure. Okay, but I, that's the only the sound effect I had. I, I I think the so the talent issue comes up. If I look at individual players and I say, I think Taj Washington's a really talented player. I think Gary Bryant's really talented. I think Joseph Manjack. I think, uh, you know, Kyle Ford. There's a bunch of guys that I like. and yeah. But they're not getting open. They're not looking good. And is that on the scheme or is that on – are the players just not as good as we think they are? When you had four guys that were going to go to the NFL, you know, Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown and Vaughn's and, and London, it's like, yeah, things work. And they made, I mean, the fact that London still leads the nation in contested catches just tells you like, I mean, he's a, the best receiver we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Why is he making all these contested catches? Cause he's not getting, is, does he suck at running routes? Is he not? No, I don't think they're scheming him open. Like when you see. College offenses, you need to have things that are going like, oh, everything's going to move. All these players blocking to the left. The, this guard's pulling. Everyone's moving left. And a tight end like sneaks out back to the right. And you throw it to him, and he's wide open. Like We don't see stuff like that from this offense. It's always like, go out there, try to find grass. A defender's near you. We're going to throw the ball. You know, Find the guy that's the most open and throw him the ball. It's weird. So I wouldn't uh, – I mean, I think you could have a better offensive system, better offensive coordinator – and take these same receivers and have a lot more success. And I think Dart could have success. I think Slovis could have success. Miller Moss, all these guys. I, but it's just not working right now. It's just not a great offensive system. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not really more to say. Um, defensively, pretty sound effort, right? You'd say over. Oh, wait. No, that was. Sarcasm. Can I actually bring up a question we have? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Defense? Go ahead. Sure. It's from Mark. And he said, Ryan and Keeley, just wondering if. Any of you care to review your preseason observations that this USC team will be re relying on its defense for success? After 62 points laid on them by a mediocre team, I don't know if it was a reflection on the group's observation skills or that our defense uh, could not stop our off offense in practice. But either way, I need to recess the scouting abilities of the staff. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so I think this is, uh, I mean, what you're watching is, okay, they're talented guys out there and like, yeah, all right. Now we knew there was going to be some deficiencies, uh, injuries, you know, losses in the middle of the defensive line. But you look at the collection of individual players, you're like, all right, the whole secondary is four and five star guys, like everybody. Um, they've been bad. Uh, you know, the linebackers have just been kind of pedestrian. Um, we've seen, you know, you got the number one player in the country, Corey Foreman, like just not being able to get on the field, injured all the time. And you just felt like, after talking to the coaches, uh, I mean, Todd Orlando, I think, sold this stuff well, where it's like we really didn't even have face-to-face -face meetings with these guys, and they didn't get to understand what we're bringing to the table defensively. And, like, all that stuff made sense. So you're like, okay, I think this is going to be a team that's going to probably – like, we thought the offense wasn't going to be as good, so we're like, they're going to have to rely on their defense more. And I thought the special teams would play better, too. I liked the way Sean Snyder was doing stuff. Special teams – have just been kind of okay, and they give up the big play to UCLA, but there hasn't been kick blocks, and there hasn't been 
big returns. And I thought you would get a lot of that stuff. Same thing with the Todd Orlando's group. I thought we would see a lot more out of them. Now, and the offense has been bad too. So, so Mark, I would say the commonality there though is what if Clay Helton was the coach for the the whole season? I The defense is probably going to be better. I think that sort of shook things up when you took the cornerbacks coach, made him the head coach. Now he's yeah. he goes from taught, you know, uh, reporting to Todd Orlando to bossing him around. This just hasn't worked. Like the culture, everything just sort of eroded. Everything about this team did. So I wouldn't say like if it was like a normal season and Clay Elton didn't get fired till the end, probably marginally better defensive performance. But this is more of a, like I said, it's more of a systematic problem with the team. If you saw like the offense was great and the special teams are good, but the defense was terrible, point the finger at Todd Orlando and those guys, but everything's bad. Like everyone is playing worse than the collection of talent they have. So yeah, it's hard to say, oh, that's on Orlando or that's, a, it's, it's, you know, the Clay Helton, like, this is seven years of Clay Helton. This is, you know, this stew has been boiling for a while and you're like tasting it. You're like, oh, is it this? Like, it's been, it's been bad. It's been spoiled and they need to like dump it all out. Like, uh, the office with that chili thing. Um, <laughs> Kevin ju- ju- dropped yeah. the chili on the uh, carpet and just start again. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things and you kind of address it, Ryan. One, just the recruiting, how that's dropped off. You're not having the same talent. I mean, I think Orlando's scheme really relies on its inside linebackers and that's just a position group that is either been super injured or just is not producing how they should be. I think some of the veterans that they thought they could rely on this season just haven't really been making the plays that they need to. Isaiah Polamau, his confidence has just dropped off after each game. It's, yeah. it's sad to see. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've kind of asked around and been like, because I just talking to Orlando and, and other members of the defensive staff, like I really respect their effort, you know, and just from what Nick Figueroa to- told us this week about how uh, Vic Soto is still trying to coach the guys and, and really instill certain things in them, even though he knows he's not going to be the coach next year, um, just speaks to their character. I think they try really hard. Yeah. Um, and and I, we haven't said that for other coordinators or, or people in the past, and so I've kind of asked around, like, what are we, what's not working? What's not, what are we not seeing? And and kind of the, the answer I got was that, like, Orlando and Nivar are really smart defensive minds, but sometimes they lack in teaching the techniques or the fundamentals to actually execute their schemes. And at the same time, like, it also requires players to really invest in film work and knowing everything to a T, um, and that hasn't really happened. And I was told that after the Stanford game, they kind of changed their strategy because remember what we kept hearing was, oh, Todd Orlando's scheme, you never know where the pressure is coming. That kind of dropped off a little bit because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't effective with, with the players not reaching home. And, and, you know, so it's interesting. I think Orlando had to adjust, I think, a little bit to the talent level that he was seeing in games. And it just hasn't been there for USC. So, I mean, it's chicken or the egg. But he also wasn't he hasn't been here a lot to really recruit and impact who's playing on the field. So, you know, it's it's an interesting predicament in that sense. And I think Shotgun brought up a good point too. It's not just like you're like, oh, these guys all overrated. Like, no, I mean, look at through the secondary. Like everyone was a highly rated recruit, you know, a top two four seven, four star, maybe a you know, borderline five star guy. Have they been developed? And that's been a USC problem for a while where it's like, have they got better from when they were in high school? Like we've seen guys, we've seen Isaiah Palma like make great plays and stuff. Has he gotten better? Does, you know, his confidence is going the wrong direction. Like Keely said, 
the development aspect is, and that's this is all coming from the top you know yeah. i mean you had yeah. bad leadership in the university and the athletic department as a head coach um you had people that were just sort of happy to be there and just doing whatever they could to keep their jobs well this is all come to a head and this is what you get it's just a mess so i i feel feel like there's some there's salvageable guys there there's guys that do have talent that if you bring in a really good head coach they're going to get it they're going to get better as players. They're going to play better on the field, and you'll be able to kind of turn this thing around. But it's going to take you know, it's going to take a little time. You got to fi- you got to find the right guy and bring him in. And for sure, there's going to be turnover. There's going to be guys that were used to the more country club kind of lifestyle that the Clay Helton allowed. Um, and usually, when someone comes in, they're like, "Okay, well, that ain't going to happen. We're going to change all this." This is going to yeah. There's going to be more of a discipline focus, I think, no matter who comes in. And some players aren't going to like that. That's so, you know, I've been here three years. We haven't had to do this before. Yeah. Um, and I think we heard from uh, Dante Williams on Sunday night, and he talked about, you know, it takes two, three years to change the culture. And I think that's coming. I think he's saying that coming from experience of he came in and tried to change the culture. And I think we haven't heard much about that since. Like the first couple of weeks. Yeah. We heard about, you know, you reported on it, right? Like yeah, the changing on the the logo, you know, you can't walk on the logo. We put, you know, sanctions or whatever around the, uh, the the team logo. You can't wear hats or hoodies or whatever. We haven't heard anything about that since, right? Like, I think yeah. you try to do that. It's hard. So maybe he's saying it's taken two. I don't think it takes two or three years. I think you got a guy that come in and is like, this is the way it's going to be, you know, pack up. You know, if you don't like it, get the hell out of here. And I think that's. That's what you have to do. Um, and with the transfer portal, you can bring more guys in. Yeah, maybe it's a little tougher that first year, but you can start changing the culture right away. And there's guys that there's guys on the team that want to be disciplined. You know, they they want to have great coaching and they want to be developed and want to be pushed and don't necessarily just want to have uh the easiest time, but they're not getting it from the coaches, you know, and it, those are the guys you want to stick around yeah. and say, but if you don't, if you're like, nah, I just like the, you know, I'll do my own thing. I'm like, all right, well you can go somewhere else and we'll bring people that, you know, fit our thing. So I don't think it takes two or three years, but you know, we'll, it depends on who the guy is. It comes in. If you get a, an alpha head coach, that's just like, this is the way things are going to be. People are going to know, you know, and you're going to change not just the players, but everyone that works there is going to be like, we're all working towards the same goal. That's winning football games. Uh, and you know, so we'll see. That's why the hire is so important. Another, you know, one of the million reasons why the hire yeah. is so important. But I think it does take time. And if anything, the last this the time period without Clay Hilton has proved how significant some of the deficiencies are, you know? So I, I do think it could take two years. There's there's a lot of deficiencies, but the problem is like you you're trying to fix it with someone that was there. You know, you're you're fixing yeah. it with someone that was Yeah. If he wasn't part of the problem, he was, you know, like Anyone that was there, like it could be above their head, but you're and, part of this. Like, you, but I'm not saying that's a reflection of what we've seen under Dante. I'm just saying it's just like you can see now that, like, I guess it's a little more transparent. Of like, there are some cracks in like locker room unity and stuff like that, and like a divide in that sense. And so, how do you really unite that? And I guess your point is true about how you get a guy to come in and kind of, you know, snap things into shape. But yeah. I still think it'll take a little bit of time. There's. Feet going in asses. There's just some ass kicking going on. <laughs> My goodness. On. Like a drill sergeant. Like, 
here's how it's going to be. But then he, I guess, but it's not a one size fits all type of thing. You know, True, I think yeah. that was Dante's mantra a little bit. And you can see in some of the, the shots of the sideline, he'll be kind of barking at someone a little bit and they're kind of just walking away. And now I don't know the full dynamic of things. And if one of my roommates tells me something, I walk away too. So who knows? But I'm just saying it doesn't look like that authoritarian style has really taken hold with this team. And granted, he's an interim head coach. What's his leverage really? But I don't yeah. know if that will fit for the next guy either. Well, if it's like, you know, Mrs. You know, this is the Simpsons, rep, like Mrs. Cravapo's classroom, and they're all like unruly and Bart's throwing paper airplanes or whatever. And then they get a substitute in, and like the substitute's like, everyone's going to be sitting down and facing forward and notes, passing notes and everything. And the kid's are like, I'm not listening to you. You're a substitute teacher, you know? And like, yeah. I think there's some of that too where he can't do anything. I mean, there's, you know, he can do some stuff, but there's yeah. not a lot. And a new head coach comes in and it's like, anyone in the room can be fired. You know, any one of you players can be run off. This is, it's going to get your attention. Like, hey, do you want to still be at USC or do you want to be somewhere else? Yeah. Uh, and some people might elect to go somewhere else. And some people will elect to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but that person should, you know, in theory, have a lot more authority to uh, do, you know, implement what they want. And right now it's like, Everyone knows, like, well, you're not going to change the offense. Like, you're not going to change yeah. the Like, there's there's just things he couldn't do. Uh, a new coach comes in and is like, this is how things are going to be. Which is why I advocated for just bringing in an outside athletic director for years and years and years. And they finally did it. Because you just want someone to come in and go, here's how it's done other places. Yeah. Maybe everything doesn't work in the USC environment. But you don't want someone coming in to a dysfunctional you know, situation and go, wait, how do you guys do things? Like, why do you want to know how they do things? It's dysfunctional. Do it a different way, you know? And they never yeah. brought anyone that would know that it was dysfunctional because they didn't see it, you know, coming from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just, it's going to be. Yeah. But, yeah. And but like uh, Nick Saban, you know, he was six and six his first year. Pete Carroll was six and six his first year. Like it's, you have to get steps towards it. You don't want to be Chip Kelly and be like, wait until year four to make a bowl game, like, that's bad. Like, yeah, you can change it a lot faster because Chip Kelly was doing it sort of like not um, – he ran people off, but he also wasn't recruiting at a high level. Like, yeah, the for USC to be successful, sure, you're going to run people off, but now you got to get top five classes. Like, that's – Yeah. That's the you fix. Have to. Yeah. You have to. And USC can do that. You just, yeah. you just have to not be asleep at the switch. Like, Bruce Feldman, I was listening to him. Uh, I think he was on the solid verbal – and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I heard basically, that. you just have to not F it up. Like, yeah. if you're the USC, it's like, all you got to do is not F it up and you'll be good. And like, and USC way F'd it up. Like, oh, yeah. Like, that's, it's that's, which it seems so dumb, but it's that simple. Just don't be terrible and you're going to be great. And like, nope, you're terrible. So, yeah. All right. Sorry. I will say, though, just to mentally prepare everyone, when a new coach comes in, transfers happen. Like, it's just oh, yeah. a matter of fact. Your favorite player, my transfer. The world is not ending. It's just part of what happens when you have a new coach and a new culture come in. So just start preparing Right. Yourself. It's necessary. Like, you know. It just happens. It's fact of the matter. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, yes. I, I was going <laughs> to give an analogy, but we won't do that. Um, do you want to, should we do questions and then talk about BYU a little bit after? Or do you want to do it you first? Want. Uh, why don't we take? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do some of the, the the maybe the USC questions, and then maybe talk a little BYU, and then coaching search stuff. Is that sure? That's a plan. Okay, take a quick break. Back in a minute. 
We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Wait, how do we get 40 minutes in? I was about to say, we can talk. Yeah, well, I kind of <laughs> went off on some tangents earlier. Yeah, I mean, you played Chef Ryan as well as Dr. Ryan. Dr. Ryan, Chef Ryan, I did all these things. You and did. then uh, try to make sense of... What we saw on Saturday? <sighs> Which was not good. So well, no. I would just jump into these questions and... Uh, sure, we kind of... Yeah tackled this one already a little bit but ray in pasadena said nothing any new coach can do can save this program it's an absolute disgrace please tell bone to forfeit the remainder of the season and give walking papers to the entire staff there isn't easy coach material uh among the whole group the ucla coach gets to stay thank you sc this has to be the absolute worst beating a sc team has gotten from a ucla team ray in pasadena hey ray um yes the most points ever given up uh, to a UCLA team for sure. Uh, the sec- It's tied for the most points ever given up by a USC team, Chip Kelly at Oregon. And then the tarmac game at Arizona State uh, that got Kiffin fired. So yes, historic loss. Um, it's interesting. So I don't like the fact that they have to play that cow game, but you're doing it for the players. So, But the problem is, and like Harvey Hyde was saying this yesterday, Keeley, Players, coaches, people around that program, when you're this bad and you know it's just almost over, you're counting the days. You're counting the practices, the meetings. And I've talked to a couple of people on the team, and they are. And that's a thing. Yeah. It's like you're waiting to get out of the military. How many days of service do I have left before I'm, I'm – and so are you really helping the players by playing this extra Cal game? Um If there was no, like, if this was like a professional organization, you could say, all right, we're going to forfeit and everyone's fired. Like that would, you know, like that would be a statement like, okay, this is just so bad. You guys aren't even competing. Yeah. Everyone's fired and we're just going to stop playing. They're college kids. And, you know, yeah, you don't like you disrupt a whole lot of stuff, but there's just not a lot of motivation for this one right now. So if there was without the the player, you know, the, the student athlete aspect of it. I think that's a great scene. <laughs> just like, yeah, this you guys aren't even gonna show up. We're just we're just done. We're 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 walking away from the season. You guys win. Bye. Yeah. It's it's that bad. It's rough. And I mean, I think it was kind of dropped a little bit in, in post game interviews after after Saturday's loss that, you know, it's it's getting frustrating, obviously, but frustrating internally for the players who I think some of the older guys are putting in a lot of effort and then I think some of the younger guys are just not fully bought in or are trying to finish it out in that sense and that you kind of get that sentiment in the in some of the interviews and so how do you keep this team together for not only one more game but then the Cal game that is basically useless you know it's yeah it might not be for Cal so Cal plays UCLA so Cal plays UCLA Cal beat the crap out of Stanford of the weekend they were three and six Cal was one and five they're now three and six and the only game they lost recently was the COVID game where they played with without most of their team at Arizona, they're they're they got a good shot to beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Uh, they're playing really good football right now. Now UCLA is playing pretty good too. But if they win that game, they're going to be super motivated against USC because then they could make a bowl game. Now USC has to beat BYU to have yeah. And so I mean, it could be a bowl game on the line, USC versus Cal. But sure, I don't think that's going. I just to be don't the case. think this BYU no. team. No, we'll, we'll talk up. about them in a minute, but it's like, oof. I'm actually going to interrupt us for some breaking news. Oh, okay. Adam Schefter tweeted, Penn State head coach uh, James Franklin has reached an agreement with Penn State, obviously, on a new 10-year contract that keeps him under contract through 2031. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, his he's always had good agents. He just got Jimmy Sexton, so he's an even better agent now. Yeah. Makes some money. I think that, you know, they've kind of fallen off a little bit, and uh, USC fans were not into that hire. Like, if you're taking the temperature of who to hire, like, Franklin was not going to move uh, the needle for no. USC fans. So no. just seemed like that sort of was like, it could have been a thing. A lot of people were talking about it. I liked it. I mean, I love the way he turned things around at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he would recruit well. I think he'd fit well in LA, but it was not going to go over well with the fans. So, yeah, I just never was really on that, that train. No, you yeah. were, you were conducting it a little bit. I, li- I like him. I mean, I just didn't see it. I didn't see it as a good fit for USC. All right. Well, it doesn't look like it's going to be. Well, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> what happened? So Mel, it's funny, like Mel Tucker, like the this story breaks that he's going to sign like a 10-year, $95 million deal. Yeah. And then gives up seven straight touchdowns to Ohio State. Gets absolutely pasted. Like Someone tweeted, "Can he? Like, you better find the contract and sign it at the half, Mel. Yeah. Like, ooh. There's like DocuSign jokes. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah the DocuSign. Like, uh, yeah. It's funny. The... Uh, I think it was the Yahoo Sports podcast, like Pete Thamel and those guys were talking about it. Like, I think Pete Thamel brought this up. Like, if you're Mel Tucker, do you, before the Ohio State game, sign that deal or sign an extension? They didn't even know about the deal at the time. Like, do you sign an extension or do you roll the dice and, like, maybe keep it close against Ohio State and your stock even goes up more? Because you could get killed and then you might not be as, and it was like completely nailed it. Like, yeah. like duh. Like, yes. Like, if, uh, but they're going to, Michigan State's going to overpay to keep them. You have to just because it's, you know, they overpaid to get them and now you're going to overpay to keep them. Um, but yeah, that was not competitive at all. That made the USC UCLA game look like a nail biter. So, yeah. How bad is that? I mean, now Mel Tucker, Franklin off the table. Who do you see, Ryan? Are we getting to that right now? I listen to you right now. Oh, okay. Since we're on this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I mean, the Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell stuff, I think Aranda's more popular than Matt Campbell, but I like Matt Campbell too. Um, USC is a rebuild and, but it's got like great infrastructure. It's got everything there. You're not building like what you're building at Iowa state where you, no one's ever, you know, like people don't win. Um, and he's done a good job winning there. Now, if he won like, you know, big 12 titles and stuff, no, but he's done a really good job there. I think he would be good. It's so, I mean, a guy like that where Washington is interested in hiring him. Other, you know, um, you know, TCU, like people are looking at him like, oh, he'd be a good candidate. That's great if USC gets a guy like that. Uh, Dave Aranda's only been a head coach for a couple of years, but he's obviously on the right trajectory. The good thing about him is he was, a, you know, the best defensive coordinator in the country and has also proven like, oh, he can be a head coach too. Yeah. So like stuff like that, you're not getting like, a mediocre offensive coordinator that no one's ever heard of or knows anything about and doesn't have experience. Like you're trying to find like the positives here. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, I like those two guys a lot. Um, so, I mean, those would probably be, you know, the two at the top of my list. I like Luke fickle. He would probably be number one. It just seems less and less likely that he would leave Ohio. And uh, I'm family actually wrote some interesting stuff about when guys would be available because a guy like Luke Fickle. Well, we actually got a question about that. Oh, yeah, can, go I, ahead. can I jump in? Yeah, so yeah, go ahead. Steve class of uh, USC class of 97 uh, had two questions. One of them was about James Franklin. So that 
already is is off the table. And he said, uh, if USC were to hire Luke Fickle, but Cincinnati makes the playoff, when would they be able to announce the hire? Could they announce it before the early signing period, or would USC have to wait until Cincy's season is over? So this is silly season for a reason. And we're seeing, um, I think there's seven Power 5 jobs open, three legitimate top 10, maybe top six, like, all-time jobs are open right now, LSU, Florida, and USC. Um, so this is different. And you know, normally Florida would just wait a couple of weeks and fire Dan Mullen. Like, nope, they fired him just to get a little bit of a head start on what's going on. And USC did it very early on in the season. Uh, and Thamel did a good story, like you know, kind of opining about like when you could do stuff. If you want to hire Luke Fickle, like say Florida wants him you're probably waiting until January. You know, like it depends on when this is all going to go down. Um, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Like I get Florida is a, a way bigger job than Cincinnati or USC or whatever, but you don't walk away from a chance to win a championship. Like you're trying to win a championship. And I think people wouldn't respect you at Florida or USC or whatever if you did. Like, yeah. you know, you want your own program, but you're like, hey man, you got to, you can win a title. Like you don't want to be, Everything you've preached to all those players, no one's going to listen to you after that. So, and it's tough to come up with an agreement ahead of time because then people are going to say it was a distraction and all that kind of stuff. But then also, if you don't say anything and you haven't hired anybody and like Luke Fickle's still in the, the mix, then everyone's going to be like, obviously he's leaving for, or you're hoping to get him and then you don't. And now you've like waited all this time. Yeah. The timing is super interesting. And that, could make like a Matt Campbell who, you know, they were number seven in the country to start the season. Didn't have a great year. They've lost a bunch of close games. They're seven or, or six and five, I think right now. They're not going to go to the title game. So that's someone you can get earlier, you know? Yeah. Um, even then a Dave Aranda. So yeah, the timing is really important, which I really just want them to move the damn early signing period because, yeah. like, it's screwing a lot of stuff up. I don't think you're doing these kids that's you're doing them a disservice by making the silly season even sillier because now there's going to be players that sign with some coach, and when the musicals chairs start, it's going to keep you know to have this these big jobs open. There's going to be dominoes falling, you know, and someone after signing day is going to lose their coach. And then players signed with the school and then yeah. they got to like figure it out and or try to get out of their, you know, agreement. So I don't think this helps having the signing period in December. It's just too much crap going on with bowl games and coaching stuff going on. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I feel like we say it every week, but yeah, early signing period is no bueno. Yeah. It's, it's, but <laughs> like Stanford, the return of, but wow, Ryan, way to wrap that in the three and eight, by the way, everyone that was mad at me when I said Stanford was, but so they're three and eight. They're going to get their butts pounded them by Notre Dame this weekend. So they're going to be three and nine. I think that constitutes as, but <laughs> okay. Three wins. I'm not going to argue the with guy, you on this. David Shaw makes $9 million a year, 3 million a win. I just the, the quotes on this podcast. Yeah, I think that constitutes his butt. Well, there's, I got a lot of flack for they beat the crap out of USC. Are they still butt? Yep, they're still butt. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what, USC is butt. Oh wow, you dropped that. Too. Well, they, I mean, look at that. Look. Yeah, I guess after sixty-two, thirty-three, two hundred twenty-five points at home. What's the the question? Will it be three hundred? Well, if we we could count uh, 
San Jose State. They're going to give up 300 points at home this year. Wow. Because what did San Jose State score? Do you remember? I don't, you think I remember? I don't remember that. Nine years ago for the uh, San Jose so State game? 225 of the conference games, plus say San Jose State got 20 or whatever. Yeah, so they, if they got 20, then BYU needs to score like 55 to get over 300. Yeah. Yes. What did they get? What is there? Was I saying? Oh, you didn't look. I didn't look it up. Okay. Sorry, I got I'll a text. Look. No, that's fine. <laughs> oh, I thought she looked at her phone. I was like, oh. No, sorry about that. Uh, here, I'll look at that real quick just to see what. Uh... We actually have two more emails. Oh, they only scored seven. Okay. It was 30 to seven. So it wasn't Ryan, that bad. We suck. That's okay. So BYU would have to score, uh, what is it? It would be like 68 points or something. So probably not going to get the 300, but uh, who knows? Maybe they do. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Two more emails. Okay. <laughs> we have one from Terrence High Point uh, from High Point, North Carolina, class of 94. He says, Ryan Keeley, thank you both so much for doing the great job you do with covering the Trojans. I have followed the Trojans since I was a kid, and I have never seen the program this lifeless. This podcast is helping me through this dark time in Trojan football and the pro- Trojan football program. I'm disappointed at times when I read Facebook posts from some of my peers who seem to have no hope that this program can get turned around. You both seem to believe somehow that this admin will fix this thing. Thank you for remaining positive. I need hope. I bleed Cardinal and Gold, but this year it is so hard to follow this team. Thank you for uh, doing what you do so well. I feel like you all are good friends I listen to on the podcast all the time. Also, I love Harvey Hyde coming on and giving his old school approach. He can be comical at times. Fight on, Terrence. Hey, Terrence. It's always fun when people say that, you know? Because we podcast so much, it's nice that people think that they know us. That's true. Terrence, by the way, if uh, you come up to us, definitely say hello, but definitely say, hi, I'm Terrence uh, from High Point, North Carolina. Don't say, don't assume we know who you are because you know who we are. Because that happens a bunch. It does happen. Hey. And I'm like, hi. I'm really bad at it. And I have to be like, what's your name? Well, sometimes you you might have met them, and you're like, "Oh, I probably should know who that is." But most of the time, they don't. You don't, but they assume because they know who you are. Then you know, just just say hello. We would love that, and just say who you are. And they're like, "Oh, okay." And I yeah. listen to the podcast. And no, we we have, we have great appreciation for people who listen and watch and all that. And saw some people uh, on Saturday who do, and it's always fun. Really, it, really fun. It is great. Um, and as far as like remaining positive, like we're trying to keep it real for you. Like if Lynn Swan was the athletic director, I wouldn't be saying, "Oh yeah, they're going to hire, a, they're going to get a home run hire." Like. I feel like you've went out and got an actual athletic director. That's why you feel more confident about getting the hire right. I'm not going to be positive when we're talking about BYU because I think USC is going to get shellacked, you know, but like, that's not just like, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just, you know, I watch a lot of games. I've seen what these teams can do. And I think BYU is like a better version of UCLA. We saw what happened over the weekend. So um, it's not about like, hey, we're just trying to be positive. I just want to keep it real for you, Terrence. So yeah, yeah. And I feel confident also, that they're going to do a good job in the hiring process. Now, because there's other big jobs open, like they could literally have had like the best candidate signed and sealed, delivered, and LSU jump, dumps a you know dump truck of money on them and and they lose them and then they're kind of screwed. Something like that could happen, I guess. But I would you know I feel pretty confident they're going to do a good job in the hire. Yeah. I mean, some people would say we're not positive, <laughs> so oh, yeah. we, we just try to tell it like it is. And and I think. You know, especially Ryan, you can speak to this, seeing the dysfunction in the athletic department for years and decades, seeing people who genuinely care about the student athletes and the process and doing things the right way, I think leads us to believe that it will be a better outcome. And USC is such an attractive place for candidates that I think that also helps as well. Don't say doing it the right way with Pat Hayden around. So that's, remember, like that's bad. 
Yeah. What happened? He said we we're gonna win the right way. Like, oh after my the bad, my bad. Stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a kind of a buzzword. I that's know. A, See, that's the problem of, of not be, being young covering stuff. You know. I can't believe like you weren't even around for him. Yeah. Well, I was for the very very end. Yeah. The very end, and then I, the other mistake I made early on was I said unfinished business, and that was like a hoo. Oh, that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a Kiffin one. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It's like things Pat would, Pat would talk to the media. We had some stuff with Pat. Uh, he would be kind of friendly, you know, outside. But then once things started to go bad, he didn't want to talk anymore. Linswan never talked to the media. Yeah, like, no, that was he, he just. He, I don't. He I, he didn't talk to people. Like I don't know if people quite understand this. Like, there's a lot of people that work in the athletic department. You assume everyone knows everything. Like they don't. I mean, they're they'll call us or ask questions, and we ask them and whatever. But there, people worked at USC in the athletic department for Lin Swan, and like he wouldn't talk to them. Like he was sort of above that stuff. Like that, the most baffling hire of all the bad hires that USC had. That was the most baffling one. Like the the craziest. Like, are you out of your mind? Like, what are you doing here? Like, you are like tripling down on horrible uh, management style. Like, just a guy that's never done anything like that. And it's not personable at all when they, you know, there's a crisis going on in the athletic department. And instead of meeting with his team, he goes to do an autograph signing on the East Coast. Like, he was just sort of like, well, I'll be the athletic director, but like, I'm not going to be there all the time. You know, like that was sort of like things like, oh, $120 million athletic budget. Yeah, let's get a part-time guy that doesn't really give a crap about what's going on here. Like, so like one of the worst hires in in sports, probably, I would assume. I mean, it's the reason why we're talking about what we're talking about right now you know the decisions he made are still impacting this team i mean that clay hilton extension we talk about all the time so i don't have to get into it but it's just crazy it is super crazy it's the decisions Alrighty, we have one last we have one voicemail too email oh my bad we can end with it a voicemail have we ever done that before yeah go ahead you do your email sure 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 it's from our buddy dan class of 1962 who said, hi, Keely, and ranting Ryan. Ryan, I like your rants, so I consider you ranting Ryan, who is balanced by common Keely. <laughs> Keep it up uh, when you are inspired. One of the reasons that USC does not have a next man up is that the five-star wide receivers that they were able to recruit have issues. Injuries for Kyle Ford before he could even play college ball and personality problems with Brew McCoy. Either of these wide receivers should have been the next Drake London. What is the situation with McCoy for next year, and do you think that either or both will enter the transfer portal? This is the worst coaching situation in the history of the school, Please become a bone whisperer so that we can get a savior like Fickle or Aranda. Fight on and win Dan class of 1962. Hey, Dan. Uh, I think anyone is a candidate for the portal. Like, literally anyone. Yeah. We, you just don't know what's going to happen. Most, if not all, assistant coaches will not be back. You're going to bring in a new coach, new sheriff in town, new ways of doing things. Um, guys are going to transfer. I don't know individuals specifically. I mean, the Brew McCoy situation, just because he hasn't been playing, that's you know, certainly would be a candidate to do that. Have you heard anything new on Brew? Or? Nothing new specifically, but at the beginning of when I reported that, I was told, you know, it seems unlikely that Brew would be back on the team. And that's maintained. Yeah. it's It hasn't changed. And even just with academics as well, I think that has struggled a little bit too. So yeah. it doesn't look positive. I'll say that. Yeah. But... uh but Dan, I would yes. There's going to be guys transferring, and the people friends, fans will be like, "Oh, I liked him a lot," or whatever. Like, I get it, but like, they're going to bring in new guys. They're going to try to. 
you don't change the culture by keeping everything the same. It's got to be, you got to change stuff. Like it's just, it's been so poorly run for so long. Things have to be shaken up. And, you know, I think they will. We should know in a couple of weeks, uh, early Christmas present for USC fans, new head coach, new leadership, new way to, new direction, new press conferences. It's crazy. New way of doing things. Surreal. Like someone with experience winning that understands what it takes. It's going to drive the players. It's going to develop the players. It's going to take talented guys and make them more talented, not less talented. All that stuff. That's what they need. It's like Ryan Rant, but like sing-songy. I don't know. Sing-songy Ryan Rant? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you like the rants. And Calming Keeley is there. Calming. It's good to get to see her face because I can tell <laughs> how far I push things. Like, <laughs> ooh. You know, maybe she's not like the greatest mood that day or something. She's like little, like tolerance level isn't quite as high. Excuse It just you. depends. Like I don't, like I, there's like a scale, you know, like, but if I, oh, I got that look. That was probably pushing a little too far. Do I have a look? There's some looks. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Just like, you know, I've like, I look over for like, uh-oh, how, how far? Oh, that's a, okay. She didn't seem that mad. I'm cool. Like this so, is not too bad. I'm like the mom and you're the toddler pushing right. the boundaries. Yes. Okay. I'm twice your age, but it doesn't matter. Got really. it. Got <laughs> it. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, let's get to the voicemail. All right, here's a voicemail. Hey, guys, it's questions for Ryan and Keeley. And this is just, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to be negative about this team after last weekend. Um, and, and, you know, obviously <laughs> I can be equally negative as, as anything you're hearing out there just because it's just pretty bad right now. But one thing that I do think is a silver lining is that uh, what Shotgun kind of confirmed in his charting analysis is that, we actually do pretty decently when we run the ball this season. And in past years, we struggled to run the ball. So the fact that we're able to run the ball might be a little bit of a for the new coach that comes in. You know, it seems like it's probably going to be Campbell or, or Aranda right now, maybe Dan Quinn. But regardless, all those guys are going to want to run the football. I mean, Matt Campbell has a first-round running back for a reason because he uses them. Uh, Baylor, uh, Aranda wanted B Baylor's offensive line to be the leaders of the team this year, and they run the ball, and they're successful. So in, in, in the NFL, I mean, you kind of have to run the ball to be successful there, and Quinn's a defensive coach. So I'm positive to build on, uh, even with the transition into a new coaching staff and with the coaches that are being named right now um, that I think they could potentially get a little excited about. Thanks, Jason. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, Keontae Ingram's coming on the scene and they've been more successful, uh, you know, running the football. It's funny. I'm, we got an analytics piece coming up um, that I got a new uh, new contributor that's coming on. And, and his story that I'll put up a little bit later, like he talks about when you're running on first down, you're actually usually less successful than if you're passing on first down. Like, Second and seven doesn't set you up as well as like, you know, second and three or whatever. Like usually a, a successful run, maybe you get three or four yards, successful pass. If it's like six or seven yards, um, you're just in a better position to kind of move the sticks. Um, but USC has been successful, like Shotgun said, when they start off uh, running as opposed to, to throwing as much. And, you know, maybe that's part of the scheme. And I think they've, realize that and you know it, it I think it hurt USC when obviously you get down a bunch of points but when Keontae Ingram came out of the game but I think that's a positive now the question is going to be what's the offensive line look like next year uh Keontae Ingram probably won't be back but do you like you know uh Darwin Barlow or any of the other guys on the squad 
Um, that's something that, yeah, I think there's some potential you could sell, but it, there's not going to be a lot of like holdover, like, oh, they did this well, we're going to do that again. Because yeah. I think the, the personnel is going to be probably significantly different and you're going to have different schemes. Um, but that's something that has worked, which is, you know, why this isn't really an air raid. It was sort of like a weird version of the air raid. It was like Graham Harrell's version of it. Yeah, modified. And it's just not, it's just not been effective. Like it, if it was effective early, which it was, did people catch up? Did it change? Did you, you, did you need NFL players to make it work? I, I don't know, but it's just, it's not really working right now. Um, you know, this definitely doesn't look like what Mike Leach runs, which is what people are really opposed to. They don't want that. Well, it's not that, but it's also not like physical enough to be like, oh, we're going to be a running football team, you know, and they were really like, actually, I think they were 100% on short yardage runs against UCLA. Uh, Which is, let's put ourselves back into the 2020 mindset. Do you really think we would be able to say that in 2021? No, 2020 no. was terrible. They were no. bad at that. So and it, that's a credit to Clay McGuire. Yeah, for sure. You're beat. Um, <laughs> but they, they were good at that, but they were just bad at other stuff, too. But that's something that they actually fixed. And you're like, oh, that's kind of nice um, that you were able to to do that. But you know, like the the short yardage stuff. Hey, it's great. You know, you're picking up these uh, these plays, moving the sticks. The problem was <laughs> defensively, and I I don't think there was a stat for this, but uh, there was some kind of stat about like success on first and second down. Um, USC's defense, if you recall this, Keeley, I tweeted at one point like. They were trying to get UCLA to get to a third down. Like this wasn't about third down stops. It was UCLA was getting first downs on first and second. Like they would never get to a third down. Like they're like I've never thought that before. Like USC needs to try to force a third down. Like they weren't getting third downs. I think I think Charbonnet had like four runs in a row that was like over ten yards. You know, and you're like they can't even you know get to a third down, let alone stop a third down. It was it was insane. Yeah, bad. Not great. Um, any quick thoughts on uh, so USC as a seven point uh, underdog at home to BYU it makes no sense to me. No, uh, I've bet multiple units on this one for my podcast of champions thing. Okay, Where on are BYU you right now? obviously. Okay, uh, I've been good since I started. Like, you know, we have a sponsor and I bet with them, and I've been good since that happened. Okay, I've more than like doubled my account, which was nice. Uh, but I've done like. I've done certain bets where I've bet more than one unit. Like if I bet a game, I'm like, I'm not sure. But like I bumped up UCLA, took in UCLA last week, you know, I bumped them up to multiple units and that worked. Um, duh. You know, like Oregon State, like they were a home underdog to ASU, who we saw is pretty terrible. So I took Oregon State a couple units that worked. So when I've when I've had confidence bets, they've all hit in the past like month or so. And this is gonna be a confidence bet on BYU. Unfortunately, sorry, USC fans. I'm just telling you to tell. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying I don't see how BYU doesn't come in. Uh, they just beat Clay Helton's new team or next team. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. Uh, but it was like, it was 17-17. And it ended up being like 34-17 or whatever. I think it'll be focused on this one. Uh, their running backs, like a former linebacker, Algier, like he's like second in the nation in touchdowns. Um, they have a quarterback who can throw the football over the field doesn't throw interceptions can also run like this is essentially ucla on steroids which is not great no like this is a team that's built like ucla with better results and i mean i really respect BYU's head coach as well kalani sataki yeah yeah yeah. and 
This is interesting. This is the the return of the BYU blueprint. That was kind of was the changing point for Graham Harrell's offense when they played BYU in 2019. So, if you remember, BYU dropped eight. Where are you, where are you, Curtis? This is the whole point. <laughs> Curtis made 15, more than 15, <laughs> voicemails to us about dropping eight. Um, I don't think they're going to do that this time because. USC doesn't have like that kind of passing. Game, Which is right? crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's like, true. USC can't do that. Like there's no need to drop eight against USC now. Which you're is probably dare, You're probably dare USC to throw it and stop the run. Um, the, I, yeah, because there was a point in time where we said, it's crazy if anyone tries to play a man against USC. Right. Because they had then, four wide receivers that were going to yeah, go the NFL. Yeah, it was like, well, okay. And everything was working then and it's not working now. So um little banged up. I think they got some defensive players banged up, but it doesn't matter. I mean, UCLA literally is one of the worst pass defenses in the country, and USC had struggles with it. So this is a, a well-coached team, uh, talented team. I mean, successful team, confident team, playing in the Coliseum. I mean, what that is a recipe for disaster for USC. Now, can they turn it around senior night? What you know? I get, yeah. I mean, but are you going to put any stock in that happening? Like literally everyone that's come to the Coliseum outside of San Jose state has had like their best day offensively. Yeah. Like Utah scored, I think two more points in another game. Arizona has not got more than 30 points in any game this year. They played NAU or one of those, whatever, uh, Northern Arizona, they scored more than that against USC. Like they, they, uh, 34 points against USC. Crazy. Nothing like close to that anywhere else. So people get their high water mark uh, against USC. So BYU. It's a demoralized defense. So yeah, I think that's, this is going to be ugly in my, you know, hey, for USC fans, I hope I'm wrong. But uh, the way I see this going, it's not good. Like I said, Clever Lang. Pain. That's my prediction. Doesn't look great. No. All Doesn't right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, that is Keely Yor. I'm Ryan Abraham. I hope you guys all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.